and I run So Ab Fab. However, I'm also one half of the So Ab Fab podcast. In the So Ab Fab podcast, we introduce you to guests that are integral to home sewing. Our guests all have small to medium sized sewing related businesses or provide necessary resources to help you as sewers. So today's guest is a very important person. She is the other half of the So Ab Fab podcast and the owner of Bobbin Sewing School. So welcome, Ali. Hello, hello, Caroline. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How about you? I'm okay. I'm okay. So it's um, via Zoom. We're talking to one another, um, obviously for distance reasons, but because we're in the COVID lockdown as well. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, so we see each other regularly via, via Zoom, but we haven't seen each other now for probably about nine months. Yeah, more. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, actually, yes, it was when I brought your chickens to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, Ali, before I start with lots of questions, maybe you'd like to give a little introduction into Bobbin Sewing School. Yes, Caroline, I will. So Bobbin Sewing School is a little sewing school set in mid-Hampshire. Um, we are positioned in the town of Stockbridge, which is in a very quaint area it sits on the river test and beside my little workshop here I have a little tiny tributary of the river test a little stream running beside so I have a little babbling brook just beside me which is rather sweet and uh, ducks look through the windows and the egret too um, which is one of the wonderful and welcoming parts of my sewing school it means that when um, visitors come and come to do classes they're taken in with the surroundings as well so it's a lovely relaxing and um, I'd say productive um, educational spot to come to. It is beautiful it, it, it is a breathtaking spot. Oh thank so, you. That's okay I know you started to sew from a very young age who in your family encouraged you and inspired you to sew? So I started to sew from a very young age. I, I, I was always sort of playing with little bits of fabric and snippets of fabric for my dollies when I was a little girl. But my grandmother was a dressmaker. She was a very, very um, talented um, seamstress. She'd started sewing as a young girl herself and she actually trained to be a dressmaker and that was her main job. And then as I grew, um, I sort of went, you know, into the horses and the ponies and then came back to it in mid-teens through the Young Farmers Club, which is a very strange way of, of turning your career or starting your career. But they held competitions every year and fashion was one of them. And my father, he encouraged me to have a go. And he said, oh, I'm sure your gran will help you with making something. And, and so she did. And from there, I just grew a passion for sewing and yeah, did very well through it and eventually studied it. And here we are today, sort of 40 odd years later. <laughs> so what was your course at college? So my course at college was garment construction, design and technology. I mean, when I say garment construction, it was really was garment construction from the grassroots through to and the design. So you design pattern cut um, and produce manufacturers type um, documents to tell how you would create these garments. So it was very thorough. Um, the technology side, I would say, because that was back in the late 1980s, sort of 88. 
And so technology wasn't what it is today. So we didn't have CAD design. We didn't have um, the computer aided technology that we have now. However, the technology was there and we were beginning to work with it. So yes, so it, it, was, it was a very full on course that led you into whatever area of fashion you wanted, whether that be um, media, design, pattern cutting, dressmaking, uh, manufacture. So yeah, so we're very thorough course. Wow. So I often hear you talking about your time working for a, a boutique. Can you explain what you did there? Was it your first job after leaving college? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my first job. Well, it was my first job, but it wasn't my first job in, in fashion. I actually started off um, at the clothing workshop in Oxford, which was a couture dressmakers in Oxford. And I started there through my um, school um, work experience. So I turned up for my work experience and was offered a Saturday job and a holiday job. And then that took me through college. And when I left college, I actually went into retail. So I worked in a boutique um, in Oxfordshire and had a lovely time. I was very, very fortunate. I worked with a wonderful woman called Ruby Carlin, who had such skill. She had been a milliner. She had been a couture dressmaker, um, but sort of fell into retail um, and managed a very lovely shop. And we did lots of in-house alterations. And I would say that the in-house alterations was one of the biggest learning areas for me. It, it, it was one of the things that I think has given me great insight into garment construction, even though I'd studied it, it gave me a different insight to garment construction. Um, and I was very lucky there. I, I got involved in all sorts of areas of the business. So whether it was, you know, um, stocking in, stocking out, whether it was buying, which we did, I, I enjoyed my time buying, used to go to the very fashionable areas of London, Bond Street, etc., to go and sit and watch the the fashion shows and make the buys um, for our clients. We used to um, have a little book that we'd know what our clients would like. So we mm. bought those, but we bought other, other regular things as well. And then up to Birmingham and up to the big shows. And, and we also had um, some smaller independent businesses that would come and they bring their collections to us. And we would buy in the shop as well for, for stock. Um, it was great. I really loved it. It was it was a great time and something that I look at back fondly with. Yes, that's good. I know now that your boys are grown up, but did your sewing work fit around raising a young family? Yes, it did. So I I worked when I worked carried on working when I had my first son. Um, I reduced my hours, but then we actually moved house and I actually gave up work for a while having said that and then had my second son but having said that I was always dabbling with sewing so I always had something on the go so I also had a, a little um sort of number of clients that I worked did things for I worked for so whether that would be making things for them as commissions or whether it was alterations I had those and I also made a little collection of children's clothes myself which I took to craft fairs which was just something that just fitted in around my children 
and at the same time I was helping my husband with the farm so I was calf rearing and getting mm. involved with the animals and <laughs> moving electric fences regularly and things like that which uh, you know as a as as being married to a farmer's farmer that's what you do you drop everything at the drop of a hat when they say can you come and do this so it worked for me it was something that I could work work at home I could um, fit around my children fit around the the animals and and life yeah. in general so it worked really well and at what point did you decide to start teaching so I think that sort of developed over time I think I started teaching people because they kept asking me because they knew that I sewed and they knew um, that that's what I did and and so I'd have people saying to me oh could you teach me to sew so you know I'd have a couple of people come along and and I teach them to sew just just a sort of like a social thing really and then that developed and I realized that I really enjoyed teaching sewing um, so it sort of it grew from one person to two and then eventually I decided that I'd set up some formal classes and took it from there really and did you initially start teaching with the formation of Bobbin Sewing School? Um, no, I didn't, Caroline. Actually, I set up as a bankroll project for another project that I had in mind, um, a sewing school called Pin and Stitch. And this was back in sort of 2010, 2011, when we had the uh, movement for, you know, austerity. <laughs> and um, what happened was I started that sewing school and I I did a few classes I did them locally and at my home and then I was approached by two ladies in Winchester who'd set up Bobbin Sewing School um, that was in 2012 and they'd set up Bobbin Sewing School and were looking for tutors so through a mutual friend I was approached and I went and taught for them and then gradually over time both um, it was Alison Lee and Wendy Wyatt their lives took over and Alison wanted to go back to her art and her studio that she she'd used for Bobbin she wanted to return that to an art studio and so Bobbin moved and Wendy and I went on and taught elsewhere we we used the um, library and we used village halls and church halls and then in 2014 Wendy her husband's business was expanding mad. Wendy was very involved in that. So she had to um, devote her time to that. And at that point she said, do you want to carry on? And so I took over Bobbin Sewing School. So that's how I came to start teaching with Bobbin Sewing School. Gosh, nine years. So you must have had made changes to the school over that time. I have, Caroline. It's the biggest change was moving out of Winchester City and coming into this town. Well, actually, it's a village just uh, sort of set between Salisbury and Winchester. And um, it's it's got the most beautiful high street. And we have we have lovely, unique shops. We don't have any chains. We've just got really other than Roxton's. We have a Roxton's, but we have beautiful shops, all unique, all run by independents. And so that's been a big change to make to the sewing school in moving away from the city. Um, the other thing that I've changed over time is the classes. I mean, classes evolve with your students and you begin to work out what your clients want. Um, and I'm very lucky. I've got a team of ladies that come in as, on a self-employed basis and they teach 
various genres of craft and I'm the dressmaker so I tend to do the dressmaking um but yeah you know changes develop and happen quite slowly in this sort of business but they're all changes for the good and you know I see changes happening you know further down the line according to what is what's needed and what's requested really lovely so what is your average working day like at Bobbin Sewing School? So at Bobbin Sewing School, my average day is probably getting up and checking emails because when you work for yourself and you do practically everything for yourself, you have to be juggling all sorts of areas of the business. It isn't just getting up and teaching a class. It's actually getting up and, and checking if there are any messages, dealing with those and then prepping for classes. Um, it's, it's interesting because I tend to have days where I put aside time for commission work and for um, alterations, and then I have set days for classes, but they tend to blend, blend in with one another at times too. So it's, it's a bit of a juggling act. Mm. But I would say working for myself, you never quite switch off. And I know that you'll know that, Caroline. You never, oh, you never, you never yeah. stop. No, Never. you don't. I mean, you try to have days off, but in those days off, those thoughts of your business creep in. Yeah. And, and you're always you're, answering the emails. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 even if I don't answer an email straight away because I'm having a strict day where I'm thinking, well, actually, it's it's a Sunday. I shouldn't really answer this. I will have read it and I will have clocked it and I will have made a mental note that I will be answering it. Um, yeah. I guess that's one of the lows of running your own business. It is. Yeah. yeah. What about one of the highs? Oh, the highs is the people. I think that's mm. the thing. I think I love people. And I think that's my my forte is that I, I have, um, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but I, I enjoy the company of people. Yeah. I enjoy sharing my, my business. I enjoy yeah. sharing my um, knowledge. Well, having that's what I want to do been a participant in your classes right at the very beginning <laughs> you have a warmth and a, and you're you're passionate and you're knowledgeable yeah. and you're welcoming and that's why thank people stay with you thank so, you yes yes yeah, yeah. And, and it's lovely you make such good good connections yeah. and friends and friendships yes yeah. you do yes you do um, it's, it's it's great it's it's um a community and I would say one of the things that I found through teaching and more recently is that when I was at home with my young children and I was working alone it was quite a lonely existence mm. you know sewing for one person or you're it's quite lonely you never in, integrate with other people and all of a sudden and especially since sort of like the um the make do and mend era sort of going back into the early you know 2010 sort of when we had the um, austerity times as they mm. called it and and we we took on that make do and mend mentality people wanted to learn how to do things and all of a sudden social media as well I I'm not a great social media person I'm not very good at posting it's one of my very very uh weak areas but I think that social media has opened up a whole community and we don't feel lonely anymore no there's always I, someone there 
There is. There's always somebody there doing something that you're interested in. It's 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 given us a real sense of a sense of community. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So do you have any new plans for the future of Bobbin? Well, yeah, I I do. Um, We've all um, had to adapt this last year. And when um, I look back at the the year that's gone by, I I had planned to get up a lot of online classes. I did make a start. And then unfortunately, I got the dreaded virus. And so I ended up having to put plans on hold for a few months while I recovered from that. But I want to pursue classes in alterations. It's something that I uh, have lots of um, experience with. So I need to get those into online classes. And the reason I want to do them as online classes is the fact that I don't feel I've ever happily made the best of the time for alterations in the sewing school physically. I want people to go away feeling fulfilled. And when people come to a class in a morning and they expect to go home with a whole pile of alterations done by lunchtime, (laughs) it's not going to happen. It's never never going to happen. And yes, I could just bring them in and teach them basics, like just putting a dart in or turning up a pair of trousers. But often alterations are, um, they're they're skilled and and they take various they're complex. They are complex. A lot of them are complex. So I feel that actually to put it into an online class is far more attainable to the student where they can actually see what they're meant to do, go away and spend an hour or two unpicking and not spend an hour or two unpicking in a class where they feel it's wasted time. Well, actually where I feel it's wasted time and I want my, my students to get, get best value for money. So for me, I have run alterations classes in the past. I've come away feeling very despondent about it. I'm not sure whether the students have gone away feeling despondent, but I felt that I haven't given the best value for that. So that's something that I'm going to pursue. Um, I am intending to do that. I'm going to drop off some other work to make that happen. Um, So keep your eyes peeled. I know how much hard work and dedication it takes to run in a small business. If someone was thinking of starting out in any small business, what advice would you give them? Oh, do you know what? I'd say timetable, definite time off for yourself. <laughs> We're not good at that, are we, Ali? No. <laughs> I would say, I know it's really hard, but you need to do a little bit of self-care. Otherwise, yeah. you end up making yourself feel quite wound up or ill or stressed. And that's not good. So I think self-care, I think yes you know your business is going to be your baby and it will be it'll be your baby for as long as you've got it I think because it's important it's you know it's an income it's a it's a source of of pleasure it's the source of stress (laughs) so I think self-care time off and timetable it timetable your time off so that you know you've got a moment where you are going to switch off the emails you're going to switch off the lights and the plugs and you're just going to look after yourself so whether that's whether you take yourself out for a walk or whether you take yourself off to a spa if that's your thing or if you you know a a short weekend break but I think definitely timetable yes just to just to keep your brain from going into overload 
when you're totally. starting out. I, I get especially that. When you're starting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always telling you, aren't I? I'm always saying, Caroline. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I know we've just touched on it, um, but when we taught together, we often commented on the lovely bonds and friendships our students made, especially when we ran the sewing, well, we still run the sewing retreats. Um, but I think it goes both ways and we gain a lot from the friendships we form, whether it's through other sewing colleagues or those that we teach. And as you know, Ali, this takes place over a lot of tea and cake. It does. Um, it's one nice. of the most important parts, I think, to our classes. So tell me, what is your favourite cake to make and serve? Well, <laughs> I know, <laughs> random. Because <laughs> I, because I'm here on my own, I tend to do biscuits, but occasionally I will grab the cake out or I'll, I'll have made a cake. And actually, I've got no excuse not to make cakes because I have lots of eggs. I was going to say, eggs. Ali, you, we've know. got eggs coming out yeah, of our ears. Have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, I have to say, I am a fan of a Victoria sandwich to serve because I think yeah. it's just a classic. It's a classic cake. It's um, it's just one everybody likes. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everybody. No, they likes. do like. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because yes. you kind of um, you get to know people's tastes. I think, especially yes, when they do. come back. If you're doing a six week run of a class, and I'm yes. always really conscious when I do six week classes or three week classes, which are quite rare for the two of us. We tend mm. to do one off classes. Yeah. That I don't want to repeat the cake. I know. And so you have to remember what you made the week before. I know, I know. I, know. I, I have I, to say, Ali, one of the favourite cakes you brought to um, one of our classes was, um, it, was a, it was like a sponge loaf, but it has ra raspberries in it. Oh, yes. Can you remember? Yes, yes, um, yes. And that was, and in fact, I think your son made it. I think Ollie made it. He possibly did. He's pretty good at the yeah. Yeah, and that was a real hit. And it's come from yeah. the allotment and from your own eggs. Yes. And, yeah. and I think people just love the fact that a he'd gone to the effort of making it, but yes. all the produce was basically yours. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree. I think that's the thing. I think that that you know, it's it's a real treat to have a proper homemade cake. And and I'm very lucky. I come from a line of bakers so my grandfather was a master baker and my mother is a fantastic cook she and is. yeah she she really is and um and I'm I'm lucky that I have that sort of like that skill that just it doesn't feel difficult to me it's one of those easy things to do um so yeah so I and and also having a family having two sons and a husband they eat well they used to they don't don't so much now they're a little bit more grown up but when they were real teenagers so I couldn't keep on top of it it was cake after cake after cake you know <laughs> just keep them constant yeah. <laughs> it's not the healthiest of ways of filling them up but it's no, but, you know it's just one so of the ways I, yeah I you know running a business is full-on and it's pretty exhausting so apart from baking what else do you like to do to relax Okay, so I do like to um, to walk. I like walking. I love the countryside. I love getting involved with the animals. Um, I've, as in the introduction, the first introduction, I said we've got sheep, and I love my sheep. So that's a nice relaxation. That's a nice switch off to just go and see them and and just have a little chat over the gate while actually in the field with them. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
but I love growing things. I love gardening. I know you've um, got a new greenhouse. Oh, I have a, oh, a new greenhouse. Well, actually, to be quite honest, I haven't planted anything in my new greenhouse yet because it's meant to be my greenhouse, but it's been taken over by somebody else. <laughs> So he's been planting things, but I'm going to definitely be planting some things this coming week. The weather's <laughs> changing and it's, yeah, never, never lucky. Um, so it's a new hobby, um, not a new hobby. It's a new venture to have a greenhouse, which is exciting. That's lovely. So, I'm so yeah. pleased for you. Well, yeah. thank you, Ali, for letting us interview you today. Thank and, you. Uh, yes. So who will be our next to Abfab podcast guest? Good question. So we will be interviewing a lovely lady, Nicola Frost, who has been running her business so busy for the past eight years. And she's going to tell us about how her situation and the birth of So Busy led her to an invitation to the Queen's Garden Party. Oh, I think that's going to be a lovely journey for us to listen to. If you enjoyed our podcast and would like to hear more, please do subscribe, keep in touch and follow us on our social media feeds and websites. In the meantime, Happy sewing, everybody. Happy, Happy sewing. sewing. Bye.